that's the 10th of July, 2022. In just three days we'll reach the day where we commemorate uh, Asalaha Puja. And then the day after that will be the day that the monks and novices uh, in the Buddha's dispensation will determine the rain's retreat. So after Buddha gained awakening, he taught this first teaching, which we're already aware of, uh, the Dhamma Chaka Pavatana Sutta. And he, by doing this, um, turned the wheel of the Dhamma for the first time and set it rolling. And it's still spinning right now until this present day. And what he taught was about dukkha, the suffering, uh, samutaya, the cause for suffering to arise, niroda, the cessation of suffering, and then maga, the path of practice leading to that cessation of suffering. So we all know this already. And maybe right from the time that we were children, we have heard about these four noble truths. But that is a knowledge which hasn't gone in deep. Perhaps we think that these things just concern monastics. They're just issues for the monks to practice. But they're not so important for our lay lives. We think that they're not necessary for us because we have to live our lives. We want to gain success in our studies and our occupations to be able to uh, live our lives well. We think that just not harming each other is already good. And this is correct. That the Buddha, he didn't say that all people should ordain. That everyone, he didn't get everyone to practice, uh, to find free, complete freedom from suffering. But he taught different people of different levels. So for those who weren't generous, he taught them how to give, how to sacrifice. For those who didn't have morality, he taught them to have sila. And for those who didn't yet have mindfulness and wisdom, he taught them those qualities and eventually taught to the level of wisdom. So he taught people right to the stage of freedom. But for those who still study and who work, then we can still study these Four Noble Truths in our lives, in our lives um, when we have to look after our family. And so if we sincerely practice those, and we see dukkha, we see the suffering, then we're able to see Dhamma just the same. It's not different from the monastics. Because this word monastic um, or monk in Thai, it's the same as the word for that which is excellent or noble. So it's possible for lay people to be noble as well. It's possible 
for them to see the drawbacks in the cycle of samsara and to come and practice meditation. And this isn't just something for only one kind of person to do, it's for everyone who wishes for peace. So for myself, before I ordained, and I would sit in meditation, and people would say that I was going too far, that maybe if I'd meditated then I'd go crazy. So people were saying it was too much, taking it to that level was too much. And why do you want to go so far and meditate? They're saying that in life, just having, keeping the five precepts was already very good. And really, that kind of thought, it's not actually wrong. So when the Buddha taught, uh, he taught right through his life until uh, right before he passed away. And before he passed away, he taught uh, the goldsmith, and he attained to the level of stream entry. He had generosity and virtue as just normal parts of his life. And then he was able to see the Dhamma. So the Buddha taught him and lifted the level of his mind. He was able to do that for the laity as well, to lift their minds up. This is true for Anandapendika, for Lady Visaka, and neither of them had ordained, but they were still able to uh, see this high Dhamma. And King Bimbisara attained to Sotapanna as well. So what we have to do is just change the views in our minds, and we're able to become noble. Even though externally we may live a lay life, but internally we may have a noble heart. So during the Buddha's time, there were many people who could do that, and it's possible during our time as well, if we put in our efforts, if we're sincere, if we take it for real. We have to make our efforts consistent and smooth, in this life that we have left, the time that we have left, which isn't long. If we're 50 years old, and maybe we live to 80, then that's just 30 years left. And we don't stay in this world forever. We're just temporary residents. And then when we leave, we need to abandon everything, leave everything behind. The things that we like, we toss them away in this world. We need to throw everything away. Even this body, which is something that we love so much, and still we have to leave that behind. So one day we have to toss everything away. We're not able to stay. And that's because this conditioned body, it's not able to endure. It carries on falling apart, decaying, following time. It doesn't stay for long. And there are very few people who live to the age of 90. We need to have a lot of merit to be able to do that, and to live a long life without experiencing much physical pain. For those who have a lot of barami, they can live to 95 or 100. And there are some very senior monks or laity who uh, have lived to 120 years, but they're very rare indeed. 
So studying the Dhamma is something that's there for all people, appropriate for all people, both monastics and laity. And whoever understands this, understands the Dhamma, their suffering will reduce. So these four noble truths, and these are excellent truths, Arya said. And so there is this suffering, and we should know that suffering. So we understand already, you know, theoretically, what that is. If we want something but we don't receive that, then we suffer. If we have uh, wishes, we don't gain those wishes. And also being separated from one another, this is suffering too. Or if there are people that we don't like, but we have to be with them, then this too is suffering. And so suffering is this way. And so in this body as well, this body that has to get old, that has to get sick. And before it dies, then there can be a lot of pain within it. And this too is dukkha. So this is something that we should study, something that we should come to understand. We should know this dukkha. And that's what the Buddha taught us, to pay attention to it and get to know it. So we practice in this way. So when there's suffering, then what should we do? We should pay attention to that. We should know it. And the suffering comes up due to causes. And those causes are craving and clinging. And that's right, isn't it? That suffering comes up because of causes. And the Buddha taught that all dhammas um, have causes which bring them into being. And this dukkha is also a dhamma as well, and it also has its causes. These causes are ignorance, craving, and clinging. And so if those causes are present, then suffering will arise. But if we don't have ignorance, craving, and clinging, then suffering just can't arise. So therefore, for us, we're not able to just put out suffering, because suffering has its causes. So when there's suffering there, we should pay attention to it and get to know it. But we can't just stop suffering, just make it go away, just for it to go away by itself. But rather, when the causes disappear, then that suffering disappears. So these causes are ignorance, craving, clinging, and the sense of self. This is what causes greed, hatred, and delusion to arise. So as Venerable Ajahn Chah said, uh, that we have the suffering because of attachment, and that suffering gets drawn out due to desire. Our suffering grows because we just... Um, abandon our hearts, let them follow the defilements. And our suffering lessens because we stop. And suffering is dropped, is expelled because of letting go. So when suffering comes up, we don't like that experience. 
So what then should we do? Well, if we have this craving, um, then we will experience the suffering. So therefore we need to experience instead nirodha, the cessation of that craving. And then there's chago, it's relinquishment, patinisago, letting go, muti, release, analyo, without any attachment. And when we experience that, then there won't be any suffering that comes up. Because if we don't have that craving, then there can't be suffering. So then what should we do with that craving? This is something that we need to abandon, need to let go. And the Buddha did that. He put that down. Well, the awakened disciples put that down. And they, in turn, became Buddhas who were disciples of the fully self-awakened Buddha. So when we put this down, we abandon this craving, then nirodha, the cessation, becomes clear. We experience this freedom from suffering. The mind becomes bright, clear and pure due to that letting go of tanha, of craving. That there's no place for that craving to reside. And this is what nirodha is like. So we make that clear. And the Buddha realized this clearly. The Arahants realized this clearly. The Sotapanas, uh, Sakadagamis, Anagamis, they realized this clearly. And it's true for laity, it's true for the monastics who have practiced to this level. And this clarity increases little by little. If that clarity is full, 100%, then that's the level of an Arahant. If it's 25%, then it's the level of a Srimantra. For a Sakadagami, it's 50%. For an Anagami, a non-returner, it's 75%. So there are methods to bring this about, to bring about this clear knowing within our hearts, to see clearly, to experience this cessation. And the Buddha taught this as sila, samadhi and panya, as virtue, as collectedness and wisdom. This noble eightfold path that he taught. So we should really do this, really practice this, put our efforts in, set our hearts on it. And this path is something that we should develop something that we should do a lot, bring it to completion, to realize this neurota. So when we, and, and then when we've realized neurota, then tanha, craving, doesn't come up, and so we don't suffer anymore. But when we still have this craving, then the causes are there for suffering to come up. And so then we will suffer. But it's this eightfold path that brings us out of that, that allows us to experience this cessation. And we experience that due to this path. So we can explain this um, quite easily and see this quite easily. There's the suffering there right here in this present moment. And Ajahn Chah explained it in a simple way, in quite an amazing way. 
that there were some monks who came from overseas, from Korea, to ask him some questions. And they asked him about these four noble truths. But really these were things that they already knew, that all monastics have studied these four noble truths. But they just knew them from the scriptures. There wasn't yet a clear knowing. And so they asked him about uh, these four noble truths. And when he answered, he answered about eating. And this is something that I've spoken about many times already. He asked them in return, well, why do you need to eat? And why is that? What's the cause of our eating? It's because we suffer. It's because we're hungry. And so we eat in order to cure that suffering, so that suffering doesn't appear for us. And there are also methods for eating, aren't there? There are ways to eat. And if we eat food, then that hunger doesn't come up. And so it's right here. These truths right here. And these monks from Korea, they understood this teaching clearly. That why do we need to eat? How do we eat? What do we eat for? And when we have eaten, then what are the results like? Well, we do it to fix our hunger, the suffering that we experience, and that's it. And so these were the Four Noble Truths that arose from the wisdom within Ajahn Chah's heart. And he taught this to these monks who had come from overseas. So for us, we should study these as well. We bring all of these things uh, together, and then we try and practice this way, try and practice this path. Because the Buddha here already taught about these Four Noble Truths. He already said that all Dhammas, they depend upon other qualities for their arising. That there's avijja, ignorance, which brings about conditions and consciousness, and then eventually that flows on to suffering. So the Buddha taught how all things that are of the nature to arise are of the nature to cease. All physical things, or mental things, and suffering is the same as well. And so it's normal for that to come up, because it has its causes and conditions for it to arise, this tanha, this craving. But if we know those, if, we're, if our wisdom is up to speed with them, then we'll see that suffering cease as well, we'll experience niroda. Just like what Venerable Anya Kondanya saw when he saw the Dhamma. And then the day following that, the other four of the ascetics, they saw the Dhamma as well. Until the Buddha taught the Anattalakana Sutta, and all of them became Arahants. So the Bharami, their spiritual virtues, were full already. They're able to experience that. So for us, in this life, we should really try and practice this way. Because all of us do suffer, but none of us wish to suffer. And we can see that 
the suffering, it doesn't kind of abide temporarily anywhere. That as children we had suffering, but that suffering has gone already. It came up due to causes and conditions, and then it ceased as well. And it's just natural for it to be that way. That we don't suffer, we don't experience these kind of sad states constantly. We're not happy all the time either. But when this sadness and happiness comes up, we take all of that as being me and mine. We constantly take that personally and do that without stop. And so we keep cycling in samsara. So what we need to do is change over our views and see into not-self. And by that we see the Dhamma, just like what Venerable Anya Kondanya did. And so may all of us set our hearts on this.